to make sure that as we begin this summer series on shalom and, and, and celebrate the expressions of shalom uh, that we see in our midst, that God has provided for us and that God, that God invites us into, that we would have a chance to be able to set everything up for the summer by talking about this whole concept of shalom. There isn't a lot of shalom in the world. If you turn on the radio, I was listening to NPR just last night, and hearing about what's happening in the Ukraine, and though it kind of goes off of the front page of the news to hear that heavy machinery and weaponry is being brought right back to the border, uh, both sides of that fight have, uh, have uh, ignored everything that they said about trying to bring peace to that area, and it is really close to a uh, heavy artillery shooting war again. And then you see the people that are players in it, and you see that there's a sense of power and a longing for power. I heard recently, I think it was just last week, that Vladimir Putin was having a conversation with the Pope, and he kept the Pope waiting for 70 minutes. I mean, there are all of these power plays that we have, right, that say, you know what, you're going to have to wait for me. And you're going to have to wait for me 70 minutes. And it's happening everywhere. People say, you know what, I'm the most important thing, so you're going to have to wait on me. And when we talk about peace, and our longing for peace, and God's longing for peace, God thought peace was so important that he didn't wait for us. That's the thing that's remarkable about the peace that God brings. The person, the most powerful being in all of the universe, doesn't decide to sit back and wait for us to come to him. He enters into the world through the person of his son, Jesus Christ. He doesn't wait until we've expressed any interest at all or expressed any regard for him. He just entered into the world because he wanted you and I to live in a world that was characterized by peace. He wanted you and I to be at peace with himself. And so we're looking this morning at what is essentially a benediction. And we use this from time to time here. It's a great benediction, but uh, for our purposes during the course of the summer, it's the introduction. Because it describes the character of God. He is described as the God of peace, or the God of, of shalom. That's the Hebrew word for peace that's used throughout the Old Testament. And God talks about a world in which his shalom actually shapes the whole of the universe through his people. And that's what we want to look at this morning. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to look at just four aspects of what we see in this benediction. And the first is this. Shalom occurs, peace comes, because God gives to his people everything good. That's what it says here. He equips us with every good thing. We receive from God good things. Now, we shouldn't be surprised by that. Jesus was talking about this in the Sermon on the Mount. Do you remember when he said, what kind of a father, when his son asks for a loaf of bread, gives him a rock? And now you, who are like God, you're imperfect, imperfect fathers, even you can figure out a way to be able to give good gifts to your children if you can do it. 
Imagine what our Father in heaven is like, who will give good gifts to anyone who asks. And so God invited us, as those who follow him, who have given our lives to him, to ask for good gifts. And God gives good gifts. It's a part of the gospel. God is good and he is beautiful. And we've received good gifts, haven't we? Remember that old hymn, Count Your Blessings, name them one by one? Let's name a few. On your list of gifts that God has given you, what's on the list? And I, I want to hear out loud from all of us, what are some of the things that are on your list? This is what God has given me, and it's good. Salvation, Salvation relationships, children, America. United States. Pardon? Good health. Help? Hope. Yeah. Joy, ministry. Joy, ministry. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Grace. Grace. Let's think of some. Those are, these are really good. Let's add to that list some of the concrete good gifts that God has given to us. Shelter. Shelter. Job. Job. Children. Plentiful food. Plentiful food and really good food. I'm sorry, I'm just... Pardon? Blessed that we might be blessed. All of these blessings, the word blessing really means enrichment, right? So you just take out a list of paper sometime today and you just begin to itemize what are the good gifts that God has given to me? I mean, you can just go, we can go on and on, can't we? And that's what God wants us to do is to know what it is that he has provided. Every good gift we have, he says, he has given to us. So make a list of the good things in your life. Just go ahead and journal the good things in my life. But we get to the second part of this, and it is this truth, that God longs for the whole world to experience shalom. He hasn't moved into another subject. We'll note that in a bit. But understand this, that God longs for the whole world to experience shalom or peace. It talks in this benediction about him exercising his will. And it talks about God's will for our lives and what is pleasing to him, that we would do what pleases him. And we ask, well, 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 what does please God? And we pray, you know, in your name or if it's the Lord's will. And, you know, we have a list of things we hope are the Lord's will for our life, right? Uh, that God would provide some of the things that somebody else said were good gifts that they've received. And you might want them yourself. God's will for my life is that I would actually get that next job or that I would be safe or that I'm happy or that I'm successful. I mean, there are a whole bunch of things that we might like to have. A friend of mine who just a year ago, uh, his, his uh, uh, life changed dramatically and he found himself headed from a really safe place in the UK to a really rough place in the world in the Middle East. And all of his friends were asking the question, Barry, that's great, but is it safe? Is it safe? At the same time, his youngest son was going to the university for the first time, and everybody would ask his son, are you excited? Are you excited? And they were just laughing about this. You know, I, I say I'm going, you know, the Middle East, and everybody asks, are you safe? Will it be safe? And my son says he's going to college, and everybody says, are you excited? And it's kind of like we've reduced our world to those two things, right? Will you be safe and are you excited? Right? Am I safe? And am I doing anything in my life that's exciting? 
And God says, you know what? A peace isn't about safety or excitement. It's about something far more than that. This God of peace wants to provide for us more than us being safe or us being energized. He wants to give us shalom. And the word oftentimes is used simply as absence of hostility. But it's so much more than that. Cornelius Plantig, a great theologian, talks about peace in this way. He says peace or shalom is the webbing together of God, humans, and all creation. The webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice and fulfillment and delight. We call it peace, but it means far more than mere peace of mind or a ceasefire among enemies. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. Are you safe? Who cares? I want universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. Don't you? Something far more than just simply safety. The question isn't, are you safe? The question is, are you flourishing? God wants, God wants you to be flourishing. Are you? Are you flourishing? When God speaks about shalom, that's what he wants for you. And he not only wants it for you, but he wants it for all of those around us. Are, are they flourishing? In my next door neighbor's living room just a couple nights ago. You know what? God wants that family to flourish as well. And the people around us in our community, in our workplace, in our, in our city, are they flourishing? You know, in our society, oftentimes the value is, you know, is for us to um, be tolerant of one another, as if that's just the epitome of, of what we ought to be, is to be tolerant. And God just raises the bar exponentially and says, no, it's, it's flourishing. God wants human flourishing in the world around us. Listen to these descriptions of shalom that come from Scripture the fruit of his righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will hear you. You will seek me. And find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will restore your fortunes. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the angels announced God's longing for there to be peace on earth, for the whole world to know shalom, for us to know it, and for us to see it witnessed in the lives of those around us. Peace on earth. The angels said that the peace on earth, earth was possible because Christ was born. Peace comes through God's gift of Jesus Christ. And we even see that in this benediction here where these references to the blood of the eternal covenant, to the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ and the miraculous resurrection, the powerful resurrection. And we get to this third aspect of what peace is about. Shalom comes to the world and it comes to the world through his son. The Old Testament highlights God's longing to give his people peace and he places in the middle of his people the tabernacle, and then the temple as the place where peace could be found. Peace with God that allows us to have peace with others and peace for others around us. Justice requires attention, and he instituted among his people something called a peace offering, that through a blood sacrifice, peace would be possible in our relationship with God and impact our relationship with others as well. So in the tabernacle and in the temple sacrifices, the means of peace was the sacrifice bringing peace. And in the book of Hebrews, where we learn that the final sacrifice that brings peace to us and peace to the world is the sacrifice of the Messiah. The suffering Messiah that Isaiah speaks about, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is the one who brings peace to the world. Now, some of us would say, I just don't understand how that works. And there's this remarkable description of what the gospel looks like. And some of you have seen it before, really these four circles that describe the way the world was intended to be, what has happened in the world, and how God brings peace back to the world. And this video that we're going to show, it's about three minutes long, might be beneficial even for those that have not seen it before, but it talks about what the world is like, what the world was intended to be like, and how God restores peace to the world. Let's watch and listen. Tell me what the world's like. When you turn on the news, what do you see? Well, between all the violence and war and terrorism and the AIDS pandemic and global warming, we've got to say our world's pretty messed up. What's interesting is how we feel about that. Uh, none of us think that that's a great thing. All of us long and ache for a better world. Well, isn't that interesting? Because um, hunger seems to point to the fact that food exists, and thirst points to the fact that water or drink exists. So our longing and aching for a better world seems to point to the fact that either a better world did exist or will one day exist. Well, in the Christian worldview, we believe it did. And that um, back in the day, um, God designed it, so that the planet took care of us and we took care of it and we took care of each other and God took care of us and we blessed him back and that the whole thing was designed for good. So how did we get here? Well, we decided that we were going to run the show and when we started chasing our own needs above caring for other people or the planet, we started damaging the planet, 
We started damaging our relationship with each other. And ultimately, we damaged our relationship with God so that the whole thing was damaged by evil. Well, it's great that God actually loves the planet and us too much to leave us that way. So even in our brokenness, in the Christian worldview 2,000 years ago, God came as Jesus. And in that, he started to teach us a better way to live and began to tell us about this thing called the reign of God, where all the good things that's supposed to happen actually do. And so he taught us, and in his death, all this crap died with him so that three days later, when he came back to life, there's new life possible throughout everything, throughout the planet, in us, and with each other. And so everything is being restored for better. Well, then what's our response? Well, in this world, that's still messed up. Jesus is starting a revolution and he's asking us to be healed ourselves in Jesus' name, to be healed in each other, and to go out and heal the planet. And that our mission is to be sent together to heal. Now how come I can't just jump from here to here? This sounds great. Well, the world's problems are infinite. And we're going to get overwhelmed trying to take care of this on our own. We actually need Jesus' resources so that we can become the kind of good that we want to see on the planet. And that's crucial. So where are you? Are you here where you think the world is peachy? Or here, overwhelmed by the world's problems? Or are you here, got some sense of God working in your life but not involved in his mission? Or you're here, you're trying to actually make this world a better place, relationships and you and everything, but have a hard time finding how God fits into the picture. Where are you? Did you hear what James said? We're actually going to need the resources that come from the Lord Jesus in order to be those people who are agents for good or to bring peace into the world. And that is really what we see here in this benediction because we look back and we see, wow, there's a God who has given us everything good. But you'll notice, did you notice how he describes everything good? He describes everything good as equipment. So when you write your list this week, you're not only writing a list of the things that are good in your life, that's the list of your equipment. So oftentimes, we think about the good stuff we have around us as ours, and we're thankful that we have it. It came from God, and we thank God for it. But we don't take the next step and realize that He actually gave it to us as equipment so that we could use that equipment to create for other people the shalom that he has given to us. They're not possessions. Everything good is given by God as equipment. So look around you, look around your life, and everything that you see that's good, I hate for you to call your kids equipment, you might not want to call them equipment, but they are, they are just as we are, tools that God will use to show the glory of God to bring peace into the world around us. So here's the challenge for us as we spend our time this summer to ask this question, what is the stuff that God has given me? What equipment, what are the good gifts that have to do with my time, my stuff, my financial resources, my skills, my friendships, my relationships, my influence, my power, my faith, all of these good gifts God wants to invite you to use those as means 
of bringing shalom to a world that aches to have that peace. So I have a couple assignments for you this week. One is, I want you to fill out that list of the things that are good that God has given to you. The second is, I would like you to um, look for references to peace and shalom in Scripture, just so you can see the terrain, the, 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 the scope of what God is talking about when he talks about peace. And the third is to ask the question after you put the list together, Lord, what does it mean for me to use these good things to bring shalom? What does it mean? And during the course of these next weeks in the summer, we're going to talk, we've got a team of people that are going to talk about stories to share of people who have actually exercised shalom. God has used to bring shalom part of our church family uh, and that would encourage us to be able to see the ways God will use that very same equipment in our life. All right? Uh, let's get started with this. Let's start by praying and asking God to work in our life. God, we do thank you for the peace, the shalom, the flourishing that uh, some of us have had just glimpses of if we're brand new in this journey. Others of us have seen in so many ways in our life, God, that you have created flourishing in our lives, in our heart, our soul, our mind, in our relationships. And God, we look for, forward to the ways you will show us how our flourishing can impact others. So Lord, speak to us during the course of uh, this week and this summer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.